Hi everyone and welcome <coughs> to the Norwegian Council for Africa. Um, I'm so glad to see so many of you here. I don't know if it's because of the of the weather or because you're just passionate about Zimbabwe um, or both. But um, welcome. Uh, we have a panel discussion here today. Um, now in the aftermath of the, of the recent election. Uh, my name is Thiel, I'm the board chairperson of, uh, of the Norwegian Council for Africa, or Fellesswold of Africa, Norwegian. Um, I've also lived uh, uh, a year in Zimbabwe working with the student movement there, so I have a special interest in, in Zimbabwe. Um, and, sorry for stealing your glass in a sense. <laughs> it's empty, don't worry. Um, I have a, a very distinguished panel here with me today. I have uh, Innocent Sabanda. From, uh, from Zimbabwe and from SINASU, the National Student Union. Uh, we have Luisa, um, uh, Luisa Makosa, who's from uh, the, 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 the Student Christian Movement of Zimbabwe. <laughs> uh, and we have Tuohimina um, Olsen, um, who established the International Office of Zimbabwe Human Rights NGO Forum. Um, has worked in Zimbabwe for a number of years, uh, former leader of Amnesty International's work on Zimbabwe, and currently the director of uh, Sex and Politic. So, Innocent, let me start with you. You, you came to Norway um, a year ago. Mm -hmm. um, that time, Mugabe was still the president. Um, had been so for 37 years. Um, we very few of us believed that he would actually be be stepped down, and he he was forced to do so uh, November last year. Um, and now we recently had this this election um, where um, Manangagwa now claims to be uh, claims to be the winner of the election and and uh, the the de facto leader of of Zimbabwe. Um, but the situation is also that the opposition leader, uh, Nelson Tremisa, uh, uh, claims that he is uh, the president and the fact that he actually won, won this election. Um, so, um, what, what do we make of this, this situation and how, how democratic was the recent election in, in Zimbabwe? Okay, hi everyone. Uh, my name is Innocent, as uh, said by um, Christian. I would uh, want to start by the, uh, your last point on how democratic was uh, the, the elections were in, in, in Zimbabwe. So I would try to describe this in my own words. Um, for me, a democratic election is this election that is competitive, periodic, inclusive, and definitive. So then we have to go further and explain these um, indicators. When you talk about competitive, what are we talking about? We're talking about the levelness of uh, the playing field. Then periodic, um, that's when we interrogate if uh, the election was done uh, according to the constitutional uh, provisions as to when and where the election should be done. And also, <clears throat> when you talk about inclusive, that's when we go on to define what is a citizen and what is a voter. Then uh, when we talk about uh, the definitive indicator of uh, democratic election, um, that's when we discuss whether this election did it determine the leadership of the government uh, or it did not. So any election that does not uh, fulfill uh, all of these indicators, for me, is not, uh, it's not a democratic election. So 
I want to start by explaining the the competitive uh, side of um, the election. For me, there was no level playing field of uh, uh, of both uh, but the major two political parties because we saw the the ruling party or the ruling <coughs> government. They were actually using state-funded uh, agricultural inputs. Uh, being distributed uh, on partisan lines. So for me, uh, and the rigging of, the rigging of an ele election doesn't start uh, when on the election day, but it starts before. So that wasn't good we, if we were to look at the competitive side of, uh, of uh, the election. As of uh, the periodic factor, yes, of course, uh, I give them 100% on that one. And then also the inclusive matter. There's an issue of... Um, the diaspora vote, yes, of course, they said uh, the constitution didn't provide for that. But um, if we are to look at democracy as a whole, then it means that uh, the eligible voter didn't, uh, didn't manage to vote. So for me, that's also another minus on the democratic side of, of the election. Then also the definitive side, here we also, this is an issue that is still in contestation when you talk uh, about the opposition actually filing a court application mm -hmm. uh, claiming that, they, that, that that was their victory, but it's still to be determined if um, their evidence uh, holds substance and uh, if it holds waters <coughs> as to um, if uh, really they were rigged. So uh, coming back to the legitimacy of Mnangagwa actually coming to the uh, to be the president of Zimbabwe. For me, I is not, he wasn't a legitimate uh, head of state for, for Zimbabwe. But actually, what Zimbabwe celebrated was a, was a change uh, from um, the Mugabe's era. But for me, it's only the, the faces and the deaths and also, yeah, maybe a few things that changed. But uh, the whole narrative about uh, the ZANPF system, for me, it, it hasn't changed up to, up to now. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Um, Louisa, you, you've been an activist for, for many, many years, and uh, we, we have seen that uh, the European Union has now um, made a statement uh, around the, the violence that did occur. Um, six people uh, were killed. Um, we had arbitrary uh, arrests. Uh, many of those came from the, the MDC. Um, what, 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 do you, what do you make of all of that? And, and also, do you think that uh, the the opposition had any sort of uh, responsibility in that violence that we did see after the election. Mm. Uh, thank you very much uh, for this opportunity to present on the Zimbabwean situation. It's uh, very difficult to be sitting here doing political analysis, knowing that I'm a Zimbabwean, I'm a youth. I've experienced the aftermath of elections. I've been at the brand of the political instability, the economic instability. So it's a very difficult position for me to be commenting as well. Mm -hmm. um, I'd like to concur with uh, everything that Innocent was saying. Uh, at the same time, I saw the EU statement, uh, EU, Switzerland and the US, they've said uh, the playground was not even, and they've also condemned the military violence that is being done. It's very tragic to see that um, we have six people who have died mm. and some have been injured. That's uh, to be condemned and we blame the military because they are using armed forces against unarmed civilians. But um, at the same time, speaking as an uh, ordinary citizen, um, I think it's also the responsibility of all political party leaders from both the ruling party and the opposition. Uh, they played a critical role in... Um, 
in everything that has been happening, especially considering how the people went into the streets to march. Um, according to the Electoral Act, um, reports are supposed to be announced within five days, and we saw people going into the streets demonstrating against unofficially announced uh, results. So I blame it also on the political leaders on inciting uh, violence to say let's go into the match and demand uh, or protect our vote which had not been officially um, announced. So I blame it on the politicians. They were supposed to have political maturity, wait until the results were announced. If they were fake, if they were rigged, then demonstrate against what had been uh, announced. But we don't say it's a justification for killing people. The military should be accountable for that. And uh, it's also said that the EU statement that you're talking about, in 2008, um, I was um, 18, and then there were sanctions. That's when the, some of the sanctions had already been put. And it was very difficult because they were even uh, stiffened. And it's the same situation that I'm seeing that we are going to be under the same sanctions. And then when, when sanctions are put on a country, they are not put on specific individuals. They say they are meant for individuals, but they affect every citizen in the country. And for me, that's very difficult. That's uh, a very fragile position to be. So I blame both political parties and the state to be responsible because it's going to affect every single citizen, regardless of whatever political party that you affiliate to. So it's very sad that we are seeing the EU giving that statement and it's true that there have been human rights violations and it's very sad that we are going to see that we are going to be at the branch again as young people. Mm. Yeah. Th thank you, Luis, and we'll also come back to, to some of the things that you raised. Um, so the, the dust is still settling on, on, on what's happening in Zimbabwe now, but Turingna, uh, you, you followed um, Zimbabwe for many, many years um, and you've also seen um, um, what's what's happened in, in previous election where, where we've seen a, a lot of violence and a lot more violence. Um, could you sort of paint us a picture? Uh, how is this how is this election um, different from the previous ones? Um, how is it similar? Uh, and also the two candidates, because um, Managagua is not the only new candidate. Also, Chamisa is is. Uh, uh, was was um, a candidate for the first time in this election. Mm. Yeah, I I, uh, I think that uh, summing up the election compared to other elections, you can say that everything is different and then everything is the same. Uh, I think that's a way, uh, the short version. I think a little bit the longer version, but let me first qualify to say that uh, I think it's it's impossible to follow events in Zimbabwe because the actors change so fast and yeah. the alliances change so fast mm -hmm. and uh, uh, and that is in, in all the different parties. So I haven't been to Zimbabwe for more than a year and it's five years since I followed Zimbabwe full time. Mm. So I think it's, uh, it's difficult to have the whole overview. Um, but I think that there are, there are some clear differences. Um, the, the, the role of the press and the NGOs uh, were clearly more open and uh, the opposition was allowed to go anywhere throughout the country. It seemed to be a much more um, even uh, playing ground that you, uh, playing than you had since the 2000 elections. 
And in the 2000 elections, of course, there was violence, and there was no violence uh, in, in this election campaign. And uh, so in that sense, it was very different. And then, of course, as you are alluding to, there were different candidates. And uh, I think I'll come back to that at the end, but uh, I think that had and still has a lot to, to uh, say, and I think it will have a lot to say for the future. Um, and then you had uh, a totally different number of international observers and international journalists, which have been banned since 2000. So, so the reporting from the election was, was much more possible. Um, and I, I think that, uh, that uh, is a big, uh, big difference. I must say I have been very surprised by the results. Uh, I did not expect Chamisa to win at all. Uh, I didn't think that uh, he was he was uh, um, a candidate that could uh, that could uh, win. I think uh, innocent. You talked a lot about the legitimacy of Manangagua, but I think there is also a lot to be said about the legitimacy of Chamisa going into the election. Yeah. If you look at the way he was uh, he was. Uh, uh, he became the opposition candidate. Uh, I think uh, that there is a lot to be said about that. Um, when, but when he w was in there, the way that uh, things were turned around, I, I think it was surprising and, and very positive. And you can see also by the results that it is very few places that the split of the opposition vote has created a loss of a, a, a mandate. Uh, I think the mo two most shocking results is probably that they, for the first time since the NDC uh, was formed, uh, a seat was lost in Bloyo. And, and that is, uh, the, yeah, and especially when you think about that, yeah. um, Emerson Managagua is the presidential candidate who was responsible for, mm -hmm. the, for the massacre of the Andebele people mm -hmm. in the 1980s. That's quite shocking that it's under him that that's happening. But at the same time, if you look at the result, that's the only place where the NDC alliance, the party, or the, the, the new party of Chamisa, had two candidates. And the two candidates together had, of course, 3,000 votes more than, than a PF candidate. Similarly, the only seat that they lost in Arara, the capital, was also the same thing, that, that the two MDC alliance candidates, how, how it was possible for the MDC alliance to find two yeah. candidates is interesting. <laughs> um, so, so I think that's, that, that, that says that there, is, there was still big issues uh, in, the, in the formation. There is about 10 seats where, uh, where uh, MDCT, uh, sort of the, the original party of Chamisa, plus MDC Alliance, this new thing, where the two candidates together had more votes than, than uh, um, uh, ZANU. So I think that's interesting. Uh, the other thing which is the same, but also a big difference, is the way that the voters are divided. And that is even, even more... Uh, uh, clear than before. So in, in Zimbabwe you always had the north, which is the Mashonaland, the three Mashonaland provinces, which is almost a, a clean sweep for ZANU-PF. And this was more obviously so this time than, than in any of the previous elections. Then you have uh, uh, Matabeleland, where the Beleli plus the big cities, uh, which is usually a clean sweep for, for MDC. And this time uh, there is a big difference in that uh, in that Matabeleland South is almost entirely lost uh, in the, in the uh, okay. parliamentary election. And then if you look at the presidential official vote, they also lost the vote. And I think for, for me that's sort of shocking that 
that Sanapiev wins the, the vote in, San, in, 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 in the Belly majority province, like mm -hmm. uh, Matabello and South. And then you have the three M's, which I think are the three provinces that decide any, any, uh, 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 any election actually in Zimbabwe. It's Mashwingo, Matabele, uh, Manikalan, and uh, Midlands. And now, of course, the different factor here is that Manangagua comes from the Midlands. So he, he sort of should control one of, one of those three provinces, and it is then sort of that should be a big advantage. He, he wins quite a lot, but at the same time, it's also clear that he doesn't win as much as you should think. And the, the seat, which he's always contested, uh, Kweko Central, is lost again for, for Zanapiev, which is interesting. Now, what is sort of surprising, it's not lost to, um, to NDC Alliance, but it is lost to a, a party which has no other uh, seats anywhere else. And it's a businessman who's won this seat uh, from a very big family, um, uh, which is also a family which has been very involved in human rights in the past, that uh, worked together with, uh, with uh, uh, relatives of his. So uh, I don't know exactly what's happened there, but, uh, but that's for me interesting that, that Midlands wasn't, uh, wasn't uh, uh, won that massively, as you should think, since, since Managagua is from the Midlands. And what is also interesting for me is that one of the main uh, uh, lieutenants for, for Manangagua throughout the fighting with Mugabe all the time has been Jul July Moyo. And July Moyo loses his seat in the Midlands, which I also think is interesting. Um, so there are, there are small things that you can look at and think that it's obvious that Manangagua is still very unpopular in many places. Um, so that's why I sort of think, oh, how, how did Chamisa win? But then if you look at the figures, maybe that's where, where it happened. Um, uh, lastly, I, I would like to say something about the difference between the two candidates, how that can affect the future. Because I'm actually very worried about the future. And I think what we've seen over the weekend and, uh, has, is, and the reports that we're hearing from rural areas is what is really... Uh, back to the past, and maybe even back to the 2008 election, which is the most violent one, where we, s we hear reports that the, the NDC Alliance people who have signed, uh, signed these V11 forms uh, to confirm the results in their, in their uh, polling stations have been, uh, been uh, abducted and, and are being forced to sign new forms with new figures. If this is the case, that's of course totally uh, totally new. That doesn't have happened before. What we have after every election is that the MDC or MDCT or whatever the name was, the uh, uh, polling agents at, at critical rural stations have uh, been beaten up. I think the, the situation after the, the 2000 uh, election was actually the worst, where seven of them were killed. Where you, so it was very clear in the whole of Marshallland, the northern area where which PF controls, you, you had almost every one of them. We didn't manage to get to Arada after the election were beaten up. Uh, and the same in 2002. And it's, it's very clear that they do not want to see you in the countryside. So uh, you can lose the, the cities, that's fine. You can lose Matabeleland, that's fine. But in the core areas, that's where uh, it's happening. And I think that's where we'll see a lot of it happening. What is more frightening is the reports from the cities. Uh, where, where many of the constituencies, many of the elected MPs 
in Harare in particular, and Chitunguiza are reporting violence against their supporters and abductions. And those are areas where I think it's more difficult for people to go in. And then you have the allegations from the army now that, no, those were not soldiers. Those are people who are alleging to be soldiers, or they are, they are just uh, um, uh, youth gangs or whatever it is. Maybe they have staged, it's in between them, you see that they've staged these fights or whatever. So if this continues, I, I'm fearing. And the reason why I'm fearing particularly is the difference between the candidates. Because I think that uh, Robert Mugabe uh, is clearly... Uh, won a lot of elections and a lot of fights both within his own party and with the opposition through violence. But I think Manangago is by far more ruthless and can do more violence. And he's proved that in the past and he's been the mastermind of much of the violence mm -hmm. in Mugabe did. So at the same time as he's got a more he's got the same sort of polished surface that mm -hmm. Mugabe has, he 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 was saying oh this attack on the journalist, or the closing of the press conference on Friday should not have happened, and uh, the, the police shouldn't have attacked the, the journalist, and, uh, and so he plays this double game, but at the same time, I think it's ruthless. But then I think it's more important is the difference on the other side, because I think there is a difference between a trade union leader like Tsvangi Rai and a student leader like yeah. Chamisa. Yes, and I think uh, uh, when you mentioned that uh, look at what the opposition is also doing. When Chamisa on Wednesday declares that he has won, it is clearly, uh, for me, that's a signal to Managawa. Don't play with the vote. I will, I will fight you back. And of course, there are all kinds of allegations that throughout, uh, I mean, with, with, when you started in 2000 with the declaration of liberated zones in Harare and elsewhere, it was through student leaders and, and student activists and poor unemployed youths in the, in the high-density areas where you actually had, I would say, a, a similar um, but much lower violence on, on the opposition side to prevent Zanapir from developing. And, and I'm afraid that the, the indirect instigation that you have from the side of the opposition will lead to that the clashes will come and, uh, and that uh, there won't be the same way of trying to stop them or try to negotiate as you saw under Tsvangirai as the, as the trade union leader. I really hope I'm, I'm wrong, but uh, I think that many of the statements that, that has come from Chamisa, or the non-statements, when Chamisa says nothing, and he, he, he sends out Sibata uh, to do the talking, uh, uh, I think that is also clear messages to young, angry, unemployed men in the high densities that, no, this fight is not over. Uh, we're not going to take it lying down like Tsvangirai uh, did. And that might be, if it, if it goes on like that, it might be a bloodbath. Mm -hmm. yeah. Thank you for that. Um, so so just, just to give you the, the figure, the official figures, um, so uh, Monongagua got 50.8%, uh, um, and Chamisa got 44.3%. Um, so, and, and, and in a sense, we, we need to, we need to understand um, Chamisa. So he's 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 one of you guys, right? He's he's the comrade. He's he's a student leader. He's quite young. Mm. He's um, uh, he's he's forty years old, right? Mm. Uh, and very charismatic, un yeah. unlike uh, unlike um, uh, Um He's he's able to sort of stir up a crowd, and and it, 
you know, it's it's quite actually astonishing, you know, for for a very fresh candidate to get sort of these these kind of figures. So, um, uh, is is he uh, is is he a candidate that can sort of be president? Is he Zimbabwean presidential material? <laughs> Okay, uh, <coughs> I will try and uh, answer, answer your question. <laughs> um, I, I would want to agree with um, what you are saying. Uh, you see, right now the people that are at the top leadership of the Movement for Democratic Change, mm. together with the Alliance, these are former student leaders. Mm. The trade union side of MDC is uh, vanishing away from uh, the MDC politics because you talk of Tokozan Kupe, and she's now out of uh, the MDC. We talk of Morgan Changre, the real trade unionists who were there when um, MDC was formed. But now we have Tendai Biti. He was also he's a former Zinaso uh, Secretary General. He was former student leader at the University of Zimbabwe. We talk about Nelson Chamisa, who is who was from, former also the Secretary General. We talk of Job Scala, mm -hmm. these people. So you are talking about the people who have got the same culture. Mm. And... Uh, there the, are ways of dealing with issues, it's almost the same. So um, I, I don't see them uh, having an ap apologetic approach to this kind of matter. Mm -hmm. these, are, these are people who sometimes, when really provoked, they are very radical. If you followed the interviews of Tendai uh, Biti, how he usually uh, attacks his um, opponent during the um, media briefings or, or debates, so I would want to agree with you on, on, on that. Coming back to Chamisa as a, as a presidential candidate, I would say uh, he mastered the art of politics of uh, actually pleasing the crowd. Mm. He's, he's a crowd puller. He might not have um, the real facts um, to, to where Zimbabwe should be going. But uh, when you talk about somebody who can pull the crowd to actually come and vote for the alliance, Chamisa is the man, and he was the man at that time. But um, him with uh, other people like uh, a Washman Mube, uh, also other alliance principals, uh, and also other people, that a team that he actually managed to, 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 to assemble, I think he, he also addressed his other weaknesses that he has. So for me as a person who also acknowledge that I have my own weaknesses. So if you admit that you have your own weaknesses, but then you know that you actually need a, a, a great team to, 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 to back you up as a presidential candidate, that will also give you a benefit of doubt for people that you really know who to work with at, at the particular time. So you can also a, a be a better candidate. Uh, as But him only, um, I, would, I would be doubtful. In some instances, but with the team he managed to assemble and the charisma that he had as a person, because the president is not usually the one who drives the national. But if you have assembled a, a real good team and you are also a, a crowd puller, somebody who is appreciated by the mm -hmm. public, I think um, that would be good for him. Mm -hmm. mm. Um, I, I wanted to I wanted to get your your feedback on on Norway's Norway's position here because um, Managagua says that you know Zimbabwe is open for business now um, he's you know tr traveled to the white farmers and taking selfies and stuff um, he's, he's sort of 
portraying you know the country as 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 very different from and the regime is different from from Mugabe. Um, yet we know that as as Turing was 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 telling that he was really the one who was behind um, uh, a lot of the the violence during the the Mugabe era. So so what should the role of the 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 sort of international community, maybe specifically Norway, since this this is where we are. Um, you know, say that, you know, um, Monagagwa will, you know, now be the new president. Um, um, how should our approach to this regime be? I don't know if you want to start, Louisa. Yeah, sure. Uh, thank you. Um, you two Norwegians, you have seen and you have heard what's happening in Zimbabwe. We are not the right people to tell you what to do. You know in terms of giving solidarity, if you're going to give statements, if you want to come, it's up to you. Zimbabwe is open for business, <laughs> like what Nangagwa said. But um, I'll go back and say, um, in terms of, uh, like I want to also comment on what Innocent was saying, in terms of the president, the regime that we, we Zimbabweans want to see, I find it very difficult to really pinpoint to the kind of president that Zimbabweans want in November, when people marched um, against Mugabe, everyone was like, yes, he should go, he should go. And people started to sing praises from Nangagwa, and he came to power, and that was in November. And then um, Chamisa came in, and there was a split. Others were saying Chamisa, and others were saying Nangagwa. And on the voting day, when Mugabe um, went to vote in his constituency, there were a lot of young people who started chanting to say Mugabe, Mugabe, Mugabe is a better candidate. So as us Zimbabweans also, I think we still have a challenge in terms of picking uh, the candidate that we want. So it's our responsibility as Zimbabweans to be very critical because in my own view, it's very difficult in Zimbabwe to be to be free to criticize the opposition because if you criticize the opposition, you're labeled to be ZANU-PF. If you, you are critiqued to the ruling party, you're also labeled to be the opposition. So there's not that uh, evil uh, playing ground where everyone is, uh, is able to be critical in terms of the political candidate. So maybe we as Zimbabweans need to be very organized and be very clear on the candidate that we want uh, as we see this uh, divisions amongst ourselves but for you Norwegians it's up to you to decide what you want to do come in with your ideas solidarity messages it's up to you yeah what is what is your take on it uh, Tohina? Um, uh, if I uh, the my short take on this is uh, Norway's role we closed our embassy in 2015 <laughs> You see? <laughs> uh, I think let the Chinese and the Americans and the <laughs> British fight over how to deal with this yeah. one. And then mm. South Africa is in the yeah. middle there somewhere. Mm. Yeah, mm. that's true. It's, maybe it's a stew that you don't want to be part of. Mm. <laughs> mm. I must confess that I have, I have some sympathy for the new way of thinking, uh, mm. of thinking development aid and engagement mm. with the South that um, if you spread yourself on too many countries, there is only so much you can do. Mm. Uh, and maybe is it better for Norway that we go into a few countries and yeah. then stay out of some of them that we can't make a big difference in. I think we tried to make a big difference in Zimbabwe for many years. Yeah. I, I think I was part of that uh, and I think we tried hard. I think there were other people here who have been part of that as well. Mm -hmm. um, 
So uh, yeah, I would actually say um, let's watch from the sidelines, and yeah. I feel sorry for the people that uh, mm. yeah. That's the <laughs> that truth. <laughs> but I, I think true. that there, there is a, a Norwegian saying: "You made a cocker, you made a stir." And I think <laughs> actually, uh, I don't know. Can you can you translate that to English? <laughs> 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 the more uh, cooks no. in the, the kitchen, the more chaos you get, and mm. I think maybe that's what you would get there. Mm. If I may also comment on innocent a bit, uh, uh, I think it's interesting what you're saying. Uh, and um, I actually think that uh, the, the sidelining of the trade unions uh, by this, this very interesting combination of intellectual students and unemployed, yeah. angry, poor yeah. people yeah. Is, is very interesting. And of course, I, I have a lot to say uh, with my human rights heart and with my democracy heart about some of the things that Chamisa is doing. But uh, there is also a part of me that I usually keep quiet about the things that maybe that is what Zimbabwe needs. Uh, uh, um, somewhere close to a civil war and then let's see what happens then. Swangerai uh, <laughs> won how many elections and I mean the way he won the 2008 election was so obvious that he managed to then be, be screwed out of power the way he was uh, maybe you need something else but of course uh, yeah uh, it might be that the solution is going to be very bloody if that's where you're heading uh, a full confrontation uh, will, will probably not be it's not the way that we are doing it in 2018. Yeah. Negotiations is the name of the game. Yeah. <coughs> Something tells me that there might be people who want to <laughs> comment on some yeah. of the things that was just said. Yeah. Uh, if you do have any anything you want to contribute, would just raise your hand and and I'll, Camilla, uh, I'll, I'll write your name already. Um, but but first, okay, uh, can I just say one sentence yeah. uh, to add? It has not been very difficult to sideline the trade unions because the trade unions have been destroyed through the combination of, of uh, removing all the economy, so you don't have any workers to be members of the trade unions anymore. <laughs> and at the same time, you've removed all the, all the rights and, and you have been very violent towards the trade unions. Uh, so th that combination m means that they, they are very, very weak. But I'm sure Camilla can say a lot more about that. <laughs> and, and just uh, not even just the trade unions, but also the unemployed people uh, in the informal economy, like the, the street sellers, have also been victims of, of violence. Um, yes, be, before we go to Q&A, um, Innocent, you might want to, to, to comment on, on a few of the things. Yeah, just like you said, that, um, it's, it's also my fear that um, uh, if this kind of trends continue to happen, uh, to take place, it might not be with this uh, with this generation that we have, but the future generation, and not only with particular focus of Zimbabwe, but also all over Africa and some other countries, they might be forced to go back to that era of taking up arms against their own people because of what is happening. Because you see, you start to see the disgruntlement that is among his people. These things they develop over a long time, over a long time, and if they continue to to do that then I fear that we might end up having some mini-civil wars in our own countries, uh, in Zimbabwe or other African countries. But also, I wouldn't want to agree with you when you say that uh, let's leave uh, Zimbabwean problems as <laughs> 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 they are and um, try and focus somewhere else. I think um, 
for the next uh, five years, the major highlight in Zimbabwe might be the abuse of human rights. We have started to see this uh, just after the election. So, uh, in short, my, 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 my thinking on the Norway's contribution to Zimbabwe, uh, I think they have to continue supporting those um, human rights defenders, uh, both uh, people and uh, civil society organization in actually helping them uh, to amplify their voices against human rights violations, bringing, uh, bringing up uh, international community uh, attention on such issues and continue with the good solidarity work that, uh, uh, that they've been doing. Uh, you, you don't have to uh, drop down your tools and mm. say, oh, now we wash our hands on Zimbabwe. Mm. Uh, Zimbabwe still needs uh, the help of everybody uh, because on our own with the people of Zimbabwe, if especially we are dealing with an autocratic regime, then we won't be able to tackle these issues alone because we, as, as you all know that uh, uh, dictators, they don't understand the language of peace. They will always try and uh, implement uh, these um, psychopathic ideologies of helping themselves only and oppressing others. So we still need uh, your support as, as Norway. Mm. Thank you for that, Anderson. And um, j just to also highlight that Norwegian Council of Africa is a uh, human rights and solidarity uh, organization, and we do uh, have contacts with decision makers in Norway, so we can sort of bring forth um, uh, ideas uh, and, and input that you come with. So with that, I open for the Q&A, and I think Camilla, you are first. Uh, thank you, uh, and thank you all to the panelists for giving a very broad update and, uh, uh, on this. Uh, um, I, I think I just have to comment on, on the trade union. I used to work in the trade union in Norway relating to the unions there, not Tsvangarani, but under Chibeba, for those of you who know the unions there. Uh, and because you talk about the MDC wing of, of Tsvangarai as if it was a union wing. Mm. But the decision to go into uh, uh, the unity government was against the will of the union. Mm. So, so I'm not sure Tsvangarai had that continuous support in very mm. clearly. So, but uh, that also leads to, I wonder about MDC as a party and its structure beyond having a charismatic leader. Yeah. How, to what extent do they have the structures on the ground? Do they mobilize beyond and between elections? Do they build support base? Is this institutionalized? What's happening on the ground? Uh, and one of the reasons why I wonder, because the, the pattern that Tool described on, on the historical stronghold of the two parties seems to be challenged. Does that mean that the parties become more and more of platforms for individuals rather than different politics? Or, or where are we in the party landscape? Yeah. Is, is it is Sana just the old Mugabe and then MDC, the new students? Yeah. Or, or is there the more politics and is there more institutions, yeah. organizations in this? And I also have, I wonder what's the role of Robert Mugabe now? It's, I don't know. I, if insignificant. You insignificant. It, is, he, is he just an old dude? Yeah. Insignificant. And, <laughs> because that, that is not the normal kind of okay. African yeah. leadership, mm. so called retiring but pulling strings. Mm. So he's just retired. And mm. it, it doesn't. Because that has also been the discussion kind mm. of before he left that mm. he couldn't leave because there were so much skeletons in the closet. And, mm. 
Yeah, okay. Hmm. Uh, Is there more? <laughs> 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 Do you have more? <laughs> no, and I just also have to just comment. I think actually leaving the embassy in 2015 was really, really sad after. Mm. Because Zimbabwe is one of the countries that Norway has strongest and longest mm. relations to. And we have people like Tor who has such a mm. broad knowledge. So, mm. um, yeah, I, I was sad to hear you say that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay, so there's a few things here, and 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 you can comment on 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 all of them. Um, but um, if if we if we start maybe with with Mugabe because um, he he didn't want to step down. Um, you know, he actually wanted his wife uh, Grace Mugabe to um, to take over, perhaps to keep the the money in in the family. Um, he did fire Monagagua, um, so there's. I'm guessing some some hurt, you know, pride in this this old man. Um, is is he really that insignificant that you say? Just twisting um, terms. And and what about the statement that he actually claims to be supporting Chamisa? Yeah. Um, Luisa. Uh, I think he's an old folk who's uh, <laughs> also bitter. I agree. I spoke with Innocent about it, and you try by all means to just. Um, be showing off Mnangagwa to say I still have got the power, I still have got this. But uh, under the mess of Mnangagwa, I think because he has a lot of things that he had to be accountable for, he could have even be arrested. But under the mess of Mnangagwa, I was told, go there with your wife and keep quiet. So I think under that was part of his re resignation package to be just where he is and just shut his mouth. So I don't see him being very significant in the political space unless he's also trying to work with other opposition forces to find his way through. But even if he finds his way through, he won't be on the leadership. He's just I'm pushing. not thinking as a leadership. Yeah. I'm thinking more like the Nigerian way of being a godfather, that you have yeah. the true power to point and, and, and say he's going to be the president, but no. he doesn't hold power. No. I don't, I don't think it's no. going to be like that. No. And also, maybe if I can also respond further to the structures of the opposition. Um, in terms of, you, you look at how organized the opposition is, you look at uh, the, polling, uh, the polling stations, there were 11,000 of them. And uh, yesterday, uh, the spokesperson of the opposition was being asked, were you able to deploy agents in all the polling stations? And it's unfortunate that the opposition didn't manage to send agents to all the polling stations. And it's easy knowing ZANOPF, if they want to manipulate uh, the vote, it's very easy because no one is there to defend the vote in any case. So that has been a challenge in terms of the structures or the logistical arrangements of the opposition. Remember, two weeks prior uh, the election, the opposition were like, we are boycotting the election, we don't want to to run for the election and a week later they're like yeah now we are back on the run so all those things uh they also contribute to to some of the losses in terms of the numbers and um in terms of the organization again of the opposition remember there was Tokozani Kupe um there were a lot of divisions I think that was a shame because it split also uh, quite a not so much of uh, numbers of voters, but the split it contributed to dividing the opposition. Had Tokozani remained in the party, perhaps it was also going to contribute to the 44.3 that we saw. So there's still need also again to restructure the opposition and know who is who. Because even Chamisa, when he was being asked, 
who is going to work with you, who is going to be your vice president. We don't know up to present. Even to say, they are saying, yes, we, uh, the, the elections were rigged. We have evidence of the V11 forms. The V11 forms, these are original forms that are taken at every polling station and they are signed by all contesting parties. They're being asked, deliver, give us the missing V11 forms. And they've been saying, yes, we have them, we have them, we are delivering. And nothing has been, sh been shown so far. So also on the other end, you start to think in terms of logistical arrangements, are they organized, who was in charge of, who signed the papers, if not, what happened? So those are some of the questions that people on the side will end up asking what's happening also with the opposition. So there's need for the opposition to also uh, put a lot of effort in terms of organizing themselves, leadership, logistically, how they also tackle things, and also in terms of gender issues. That has been another issue. They've been naming and shaming women in the opposition. Any women that has tried to also rise up uh, in the space, they've been shunned down, they've been put down. And remember, the population, um, most of the population of Zimbabwe are women, and you talk down of women, and already you're losing so many votes. So the language that is being used by the opposition, has to, there has to be a different narrative also in terms of gender. So that's my contribution in terms of the structure of the opposition. Thanks. Can I just... Because that sounds to me like MDC is a relatively loose party with leaders, but very little base on the ground. Also, to, to build a party, I mean, yeah, all that, the time. But I, I would, yeah, I would yeah. actually like to disagree yeah. a bit. Okay. Because mm -hmm. I think compared with very many parties mm. all over Africa, at least, mm. uh, I think that the MDC has had a lot more structures and a lot more more organization than most of them. And I think that is partly due to being a coalition of different civil society groups. Mm -hmm. And the, you know, they, the trade union said that you came into NDC uh, with the full package. So you had uh, ZCDU was organized throughout the country. In addition to that, you had groups that were very big before uh, mm -hmm. that, that penetrated areas which were ZANU-PF areas and, mm -hmm. and of course in particular it was the farm workers mm -hmm. and a combination of farmers and farm workers in the beginning mm -hmm. was enormous when it came to, to creating that, those structures. I think that the number that was of... was before, right? And yeah, before of the current, the, now it's yeah. in shambles. Uh, I think that, that you can say that some of that is in shambles, but mm. it is in the shambles in the same way as the rural areas in Zimbabwe yeah. are in shambles. Mm. Because, uh, because uh, with the departure of the, of the farming uh, yeah. industry, yeah. Uh, that mean, meant that very many of these, uh, these areas do not have any incomes yeah. at all. Yeah. Uh, and um, I, I spent uh, my first two years at Amnesty saying this is not a white-black issue and I refused to talk to the farmers. And then I found out in the run-up to the 2000 election that this was a mistake mm -hmm. because it was obvious. Uh, they gave me farm workers, they showed me the organization that was out there and the way that they were able to organize things were fantastic. And this was organization that was given directly to the MDC. So you had a, uh, an organization. And then if you talk about the risks that people are taken by by going into the rural areas and being I mean alone being a polling agent in in anywhere in in uh, Mashonaland is I mean it, it, it's uh, it's short of a suicide uh, this short of a suicide and, and they had polling agents 
almost in the whole of Mashonaland. Mm. And I think that that proves. Yeah, you have a lot of you have a lot of student leaders who who, uh, who go out of Harada and think they can go to the rural areas yeah. and be polling agents, <coughs> and it, it, it's really yeah. Right. You're you're sitting ducks there. I, I was uh, I was an election observer for Norway in the 2002 elections, and and um, there was many reasons why they took me in uh, because I was absolutely not objective in a sense that the Zimbabwean authorities would like, but the EU withdrew, so Norway did not withdraw their their uh, election uh, observers. So then they just filled in with as many Norwegians as they could, and it was sort of agreed that we took over the cars and whatever the EU left behind. Uh, so so and when we chose areas, I chose to go to Machinland East, which at the time was the, it's the most sunny PF area. And I, I spent uh, the, the count, the final count at the end of the evening, I spent in Zumba, which is an area <laughs> which you, you can never go there. Um, uh, so so did, I think this is my only chance to go there ever. And I convinced my other, we're not going to have the count in Nureva or, or Marondero yeah. or somewhere like that. Yeah. We're going to Zumba, which is as far out as we get. It's where Mugabe started his election campaign. And I don't understand how those MC people were there, but they were there. They had their covered all the all the polling uh, stations except three and two of them were almost impossible to find but we found all of them in the end but the, uh, the, when we came there then you go from these polling agents the polling stations into the central counting station and you had ZNPF youth outside singing we're going to kill you when you come out and you, you're sitting there counting votes listening to people singing we're going to kill you when you come out and and you know, we, we just saw them running in groups towards the police station. And you're not even sure that the police station is going to give you safety in a place like this. So what we did in the end, we drove our car slowly between the, the counting station and, the, and the, the police station and had some of them running next to it. And uh, no, the people were beaten up. And, uh, and there were at least two of them who died later. And, and it's uh, so so uh, to call that lack of organization, mm -hmm. I think, is is uh, um, uh, only part of the the story because mm -hmm. in these areas you can't organize, mm -hmm. and that you actually manage to send people to those areas is a miracle in itself. Mm -hmm. So yeah, uh, so <laughs> I, I want to differ yeah. to make it the answer a little bit different. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Can can I ask you just? I'll, I'll give the word to you in a second, but. Having experienced all of that and seen, you know, human rights abuses, why do you still think that Norway should sort of not sort of be engaged with these issues in, in Zimbabwe? Because we know the situation will be hectic. Um, I, I hear what you're saying, uh, Innocent and Camilla, but I, I think what is it that we can contribute that we didn't already contribute? That's, that's my question. Yeah. What, what difference can we make today that we didn't manage to make in 2000 or 2002 or all the years before 2000? So that, <laughs> 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 okay. that, that would be my answer, but I, uh, but I see, I see uh, also the argument <coughs> the other ways, of course. Mm. You can respond to that and also the other. <coughs> okay, I just writing. <laughs> I just want to say that to concur with everything that has been saying about the structures of the MDC. I wouldn't want to subtract anything, or, uh, mm -hmm. uh, but I just want to add that it's only in those very violent um, areas that MDC has weak 
weaker structures just because of the nature of the environment that they open because there won't be so many supporters and usually some of them they live in fear so the structures in those areas they're a bit um they're a bit weak and also to 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 blame uh, the movement for democratic change only from maybe for sidelining women i don't i don't think it's a it's a clear view of how things are in zimbabwe because also go to the zanpf uh, mm. party we have the president is a male we have the two vice presidents they are they are they are all males so mm. in some end we we don't have to actually put blinkers on ourselves just because also the the, the zimbabwean uh, media is uh, it's also controlled by the state so they usually point to the bedside of, of the opposition not actually revealing also the bedside of 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 the ruling party because it's not it's not on the, in the opposition only where the, the 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 women are the minority voices in the party so i think this is we need to approach this uh, this issue uh, as all zimbabweans to actually say um what do we say when we talk about uh, 50 50 representation of women what are the necessary steps do we need to take uh, um in also helping women to come into power it doesn't start only on political stages let's not only focus on political stages because we need to develop this issue from the grassroots starting in the civil society women in leadership uh, because it's not only political leadership also maybe in churches <laughs> if we are to say what, so what, that what about <laughs> yeah and also <laughs> that's why i said uh, civil society mm-hmm. organization because in is, is also part of them so if we start to build our organizations on such level then we we begin to grow into um, uh, into a state that is respecting the 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 women uh, the women vote uh, for me it's not only about how males are abusing women uh, in terms of uh, power because as i always say that the women in zimbabwe if they are really to pose a serious challenge they they have the majority population but on their own they don't support each other yeah uh, we we have um this funny trend that is going on of uh, the zek chairperson women uh, uh what do you call it uh, <laughs> what, what, what is it called? Chikumba challenge. Yeah, the, the Chikumba challenge where they are putting this funny makeup that was put by by by, <coughs> by the Zek Chepes and she's a woman. But it's not it's not men that are actually doing that. It's women. So for people to say it's the opposite that is doing that, for me that is totally nonsense. Because these are women that are denigrating the, their, their fellow women. So we need to start to, 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 to see the women in Zimbabwe actually starting to respect themselves and supporting each other in in them in the leadership in the quest for leadership uh, the other issue that was raised here is about uh, how the 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 opposition uh, may be failed to 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 bring the the evidence uh, of the v11 forms or whatsoever for me uh, if you are a clever politician you don't bring uh, your evidence on press conference no. because mm-hmm. these are v11 forms just like they did uh, when they came, the riot police, they came, they could have just taken them away. They could have just uh, got them from the MDC because these were, these, they were not armed, but these guys were armed. So they could have taken away all the evidence. Then there's no court case. So you bring your evidence in the court, not on the press conference. So um, I think I, I'll, I'll leave it there. Thanks. Um, so if anyone do have any questions, please raise your hand because um, my list is empty. Um, I wanted to ask 
you know, both mm. both of you, Innocent and and, uh, <coughs> and Luisa, um, you are you're um, you know student activist. Yeah. You've been in Norway for uh, almost a year now, uh, in Sai and and with FK, um, and and you're now going back to to Zimbabwe um, just after the election now. You know how. How do you see what's what's the role now for the opposition and for the civil society for the next five years, mm. and and how are you going to contribute to to a more democratic Zimbabwe? Yeah. Um, so for me, uh, even if the opposition takes the evidence to the court, knowing the whole procedure of the the legal process of filing a case, it would take more than five years, and I don't know it can even take more than that. And by then, the Mnangago government will be in control, ruling. And uh, the only thing that we, I see as uh, civil society can do, I will not speak on behalf of the opposition, mm -hmm. I will speak on in terms of the civil society, is to pin the new government to, uh, to make them accountable, put some checkpoints for them. I'm glad uh, that some of the, one of the members of the National Council that was elected, is a former student at risk, was supported uh, under Sai, her name is Joanna Mamombe. Mm -hmm. She managed to make it in, into the parliament, so that's a very good thing, and we know that she's the youngest MP mm -hmm. to be in parliament. Mm -hmm. So it's very good that we also have some uh, avenues or channels to still talk with the government to make some influence, budget monitoring, making them accountable, and not leave the government at any point to, to leave them to say, okay, have your 100 days, do whatever you do, and then we'll come back. But it's important for us as civil society and young people to now make them accountable. They've given us their manifesto. We know the contents of their manifesto. Mm. So we want to, be to make them accountable to that. Yeah. Mm. <coughs> so... Uh, as for the position of uh, the civil society, I think they need to continue their work on um, uh, bringing out uh, the human rights violations and also keeping uh, the government on its toes in terms of uh, ensuring that they are accountable of whatever they do uh, as a government. And also, uh, in particular, focus to the students of Zimbabwe. I think this, this year has been a very positive year in terms of removing the voter apath among the youth and yeah. students. We've seen a large number of uh, students and youth going to vote. Um, we need also to continue putting, uh, pushing for that and encouraging our fellow youth to participate in, in governance. It's a, it's a, it's a good uh, it's a good sign that uh, the youth in Zimbabwe are actually taking up uh, the position because I think you've met some of the people that, that are now in the par in the parliament and even in the council. Uh, to talk of the executive of Joanna, we have Kilbert is also in the council uh, and also other so many other people uh, to mention. It's a long list of uh, former student union leaders that, that are in our own generation, not the other generation, that are also taking... Uh, those leadership uh, position. Mm -hmm. as, as for the uh, opposition, I think they need to continue participate in the wider political process, be it in debate, uh, through writing, teaching, and also the unions with other private organizations that are interested in, in, the, in the public policy, and also amplifying their voices together with the civil society groups to actually make sure that the government is accountable for everything that they, that they do not only to, to be negative about the government, but help each other in, in terms of state building. What do we need for our nation? And as for the um, 
also the, the, the ruling party, uh, whoever is going to win this election, I think they need to look at both the manifestos of all, all other parties because there are some other things that are in, in, in another manifesto of another party that are not in another. So you need to consolidate everything that the people of Zimbabwe want so that you drive the nation forward. Mm -hmm. I forgot. Can I add something? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Uh, I forgot to say one of the coalition of civil, civil society organizations called Zimbabwe Election Support Network, uh, for the first time, they also gave a report which had... Um, projections that were similar to the results that we announced and it has raised a lot of questions in terms of the credibility of the action of the elections so it has also put the role of civil society on a position that's very difficult to wait to see where the civil society is and if their projections are telling with what was announced so it's a bit confusing where the yeah my question to the panelists is I heard both of them saying talking about um, holding the government accountable. I think it is uh, important and critical that we understand which type of government we are dealing with here. Because we have a government which does not care about legitimacy. We have a government which does not care about sovereignty. A government that does not respect fundamental human rights. Immediately, yes, the reports are out that the election was peaceful, but immediately, what happened after? We have 13 people who lost their lives. And the government doesn't care what the international community is going to say. What they are only worried about as a revolutionary party is to retain their power. So then how best or how is it possible that the civil society or organization in Zimbabwe and generality of Zimbabweans at large are going to hold that kind of government accountable? Thank you. Thank you. Um, privilege is a former student leader and a student at risk at, at MBNU. Um, so he, he raises a very pertinent point, right? Can we yeah. hold a, um, you know, a violent... Can you ask all the questions at once? Yes. Um, can we hold a, a ruthless uh, regime accountable? Mm. Um, are there checks and balances yeah. in, in Zimbabwe? Um, so I'm just looking at the time. Are there other questions now from the... Yes, Aksir? I have three questions. <laughs> and uh, my first question is, uh, yeah, you talked about the risks moving forward after the election, about bloodshed and about Monogagwa's historical brutality and ruthlessness. Uh, but despite this, it seems like Zimbabwe is opening up to, you know, to the international community, that it's kind of re-entering the ranks of the nations of the world, you know? So do you think this is a positive development, or what do you think this means for the future of Zimbabwe? Why? Well, that's my second question. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what do you think, you mentioned youth empowerment, and what do you think are the prospects for 
Zimbabwe becoming less of a gerontocracy, apart from you know Mugabe moving away for a 75-year-old, you know? How do you think the youth will become empowered in Zimbabwe, if at all? And my final question is, if you had to give a percentage estimate, what do you think are the prospects for Zimbabwe moving forward in the next five years? Thank you. Axela was very clear. Axela has been an activist uh, from side to uh, Zimbabwe now for a year. Um, okay, are there any other questions? No? Okay, so the, the first question was, was about, you know, can we really hold this regime yeah. accountable? Then um, you, can, um, you can just choose what you want to to comment on and maybe also give your hmm. <laughs> percentage estimate for <laughs> Zimbabwe going forward or not. Um, yeah. Luisa, do you want to start? Yeah, I can start. Um, I think um, Nangagwa is the president. He has all the powers, but at the same time, I still, I, I still see some leverage working with the parliament, despite the fact that the ZANU-PF has the majority of seats, but those uh, other MPs that are there um, in favor of the opposition, they still room, they are divided in different parliamentary portfolios and with those parliamentary portfolios when you engage and talk to them, then that's an avenue that I see uh, personally as a way to hold the government accountable. Obviously, we are not going to go to Mnangagwa personally and say, okay, you won't, you want ABC, you will not, you will not even get the opportunity to talk to him, but I see avenues through the parliamentary portfolios that are going to be given and we, uh, we put forward our issues. And uh, the other question that was asked by uh, Axel, I will answer the second one, the first one and the third one. I'll leave it for the other panel panelists. Uh, in terms of youth empowerment, um, I think uh, there's, like Innocent said, there's been so much improvement when you look at uh, the action that has been taken by young people from the apathy they were to to, to being active right now in participating in terms of national processes. Unfortunately, there's been some demotivation, a lot of demotivation that has come with the results of the elections. But I still see room in terms of livelihoods projects because addressing the real needs that are needed by the ordinary Zimbabwean on the street is to have food on the table. And to have food on the table, you need uh, economic development, you need spaces where you can sell or be able to get food on the table. So as young people, when you look at uh, issues of livelihoods, creating platforms where young people are trained in entrepreneurial skills, uh, in SMEs, that's a platform of uh, youth empowerment for me that I, that I see. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. yeah, I would like to firstly answer the question of privilege, but I would want to start with a comment that um, usually the the common factor here is that those with ideas are not the ones that are in power. Mm -hmm. So we first have to look at who are, who are our parliamentarians. What kind of background do they have? You've seen these people, those business people in the rural areas. Those are the ones that are parliamentarians. But when, 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 when we to, when you are to scrutinize and see do they actually have the idea of policy formulation how things work in governance and this then you see these people they don't have any idea on that 
So this is the first challenge on actually uh, uh, bringing the government to accountability because what is it that they are contributing into the parliament? Then it's nothing. Some of them, they just go there, they sleep, and then they uh, beat tables and chairs, and they cheer, they cheer others. So especially in the rural side, we, you only find um, uh, people that are learned as, uh, who are parliamentarians, usually in the urban centers. That's when you... F- find people that are progressive, that actually know a way to go with the police formulation and also. So it's a, it's a first uh, challenge because you put your issues forward to, your, uh, to the parliamentarians, but the person that you're actually putting forward your issues, they, do, they, they don't have any idea about what you're talking about. They, some of them, they don't even know how to, uh, to, um, to, uh, to interpret the constitution. So it's a, it's a, it's a difficult uh, situation that actually those with ideas are not the ones that are in the power. Mm. Uh, as to uh, the issue of dealing with uh, an autocratic regime, it's very difficult. Only what I think is it will be minimum impact that we do if we were to talk about ac- accountability. We, we only have to, to, to give them uh, uh, a reason to shy away on some of other atrocities that they might want to commit. So that if they see that this is being published somewhere, this is we are being seen by everybody. These issues are documented. Sometimes, you know, uh, as a human being, they might try to limit the way they do things. But uh, uh, YouTube, it's very difficult to to bring them uh, uh, to be accountable because yes, of course, you can say you said this, but you're not doing this. Then uh, you should do this. Then they say, okay, we'll do it. But then it will be another five years and. Um, without anything changing. Uh, then the issue of uh, opening to the international community, what it means to Zimbabwe as of now. I don't think this mantra of saying that uh, Zimbabwe is open for business is going to work for the ruling, gov- uh, the ruling party as of now because I think they tried by all means uh, to, be, to be cunning in their way of uh, approach. Uh, less violence during the elections, uh, before the elections, but then soon after the election, when I I think they were trying to scare away the opposition in trying to demand uh, uh, what they are so calling their victory. So, but by so doing now, they they painted their uh, themselves black because there's now blood, blood on their hands. People have been killed, the human rights violations. They are now actually showing off uh, themselves because they, they try to legitimize themselves with this election and try not to be violent, uh, invite a lot of uh, observers, something that was not yet done. But when things mattered most, that's when they misfire. So um, I think the international community will be very hesitant on actually um, reviving their trade relations with Zimbabwe. And I foresee also the next five years of Zimbabwe being very difficult. And I don't think in terms of development or uh, uh, economic uh, economic revival, something that is very tangible coming out, I doubt. And then, you uh, remember the Chinese. I think they are still hanging in. The yeah, Chinese are still there. Yeah, they are going to Mania. All were the friends. They all were the friends. They don't care about human rights. They are <laughs> only interested in terms of economic development. And soon will be like Zambia. But, but uh, for, for, for us to say that the, the Chinese actually... Zambia is much better. Yeah, it's better, but I'm saying with the Chinese coming in, they manipulate everything. Yeah. For, for us to say that the a Chinese can actually bring uh, economic development to Zimbabwe, I don't think that makes sense because they've been in Zimbabwe for the past years and then they're not doing anything. What they're doing is actually loot 
Zimbabwean resources and then go with them out. So mm. for me, I wouldn't, I wouldn't want, want to, to, to point at Chinese as, as investors. Uh, and then the issue of uh, youth empowerment. Um, when you talk about youth empowerment, it's not only about the issue of being in leadership or financial empowerment or whatsoever. But uh, I think the best empowerment that uh, we need here is uh, educational empowerment and also create awareness uh, we have also to to thank organizations like sai what they're doing in zimbabwe supporting those organizations that are fighting to, to ensure that there's a freedom of expression there's academic freedom there's whatsoever because this is where uh, the society is built with education because if you give money to an uneducated person that person is going to be a nuisance in the society so the main, the major empowerment that we need to see uh, being given to the Zimbabwean youth is educational empowerment. Yes, of course, um, we, we, we can say that Zimbabweans, uh, most of them, they're educated, but uh, also what are the kind of educational policies that we have in Zimbabwe? Are they allowing that those with the brightest minds are going into school or it's all about who has the, got the money and who is being able to attend the school and the other young bright minds being shattered their dreams and going back into the rural areas, heading Keto and whatsoever. So we, we, for me, uh, in my own view, we need to see the, this issue of youth empowerment uh, starting from the grassroots. And I don't expect the youth of Zimbabwe to wait uh, for a savior to come and empower themselves. They need to start fighting for their own spaces. Uh, so it doesn't only hinge on the government uh, creating spaces for, for, for the youth because these old uh, people, they have, uh, they have got an insatiable thirst for power. Mm -hmm. Now we need to continue fighting for our own spaces, demanding our own spaces, so that we, also man we can also manage to empower our own selves and also empower uh, others that are failing. Because you see, the youth that are being empowered by the government, those are the ones that don't have an idea of a modern state, how to drive uh, Zimbabwe into a modern state. What, what they do is those that they see that they have got potential and then they have got ideas, they try and suppress them. And then they bring up these fools that are always bootlicking them and, and giving them praises and whatsoever so that they continue consolidating their power. So, and then uh, the last one, the prospects of uh, Zimbabwe moving forward in the next five years. This is a <laughs> this is a very a, a very difficult question because it um, it hinges on several issues that need to be addressed uh, as of now because as of now Zimbabwe is a very divided state and uh, like what you say that uh, I see a lot of things unfolding uh, especially with these uh, court applications that you have seen yeah. if really the movement for democratic change alliance has got um, uh, tangible evidence that uh, the election uh, was rigged and we've uh, started to see uh, some other indicators where, where they are bringing up uh, this kind of evidence. Uh, all in all, ZANPF is not yet ready to leave power. These guys, uh, the military guys, they just came in in November. And for me to say that they are ready to leave power, then it's... Uh, I, I wouldn't agree with that. And at the same time, they want to legitimize themselves. Mm -hmm. So it's a difficult <coughs> position for themselves. Mm. And also the people of Zimbabwe particularly, because you can see by the, by the force that Zimbabwe is almost divided into half. Even the official reports that were given by mm. SEC, it, uh, that are indicating that ZANPF won. But it shows that the whole country is divided into half. And um, that's on its own shows that um, 
people are not happy with what is happening. And with the government of Zimbabwe not having the support of the international community, not having the, the, the support of almost half of the population, it will be really difficult for the, for, for the government to actually revive the, the, the economy of Zimbabwe, mm. if that is their goal. Mm. Because sometimes they might talk about it, but then it's not even their goal to mm. revive the, the economy, but actually to just hold on in, on power. Thank you. Um, I'll, I'll let Turing uh, comment and then we'll need to, to round up soon. Yeah, maybe I should start with the last one. With the same <laughs> um, uh, I, think, uh, I think that uh, if you want to measure moving forward, you must ask, uh, ask the question moving forward from where? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because are we talking moving forward from the last week and what is <laughs> going to co continue? For the three next whatever, mm. uh, I wanted to say weeks, but it might be longer. Uh, or are we talking about the period from November until last week? Because what we seem to forget in this debate is that the situation in Zimbabwe from November last year mm. up until a week and a half ago was actually uh, very good. It was in many ways open for business. Uh, and. Uh, um, it of course depends on, on what your you, what your expected outcome is or where you want to lay the, the expectations. But uh, but if you compare to that, I think you, you will not see an improvement of that until maybe uh, six months to a year. But I think you will get back there very soon. And it's because I disagree with one thing very strongly, and that is that ZANU-PF do not care about international legitimacy. I absolutely, totally, 100% disagree with that. And we've seen that after every election. It takes them, they have to consolidate power, and they will consolidate power with what it takes. If they need to, to kill 20% of the youth of Zimbabwe, they will do that. But they will do that whatever they needed. We saw that in 2008. Yeah. I mean, it was obvious they had lost the election and Mugabe came out and said, we are not going to lose by the pen what we mm. won by the gun. Mm. And then killing started. Mm. But as soon as they finished with that consolidation, as soon as uh, Songerai said, no, I'm withdrawing from this election, then they start rebuilding the, the relations with the international community. Yeah. And, and I don't think that there will be an exception here. I think it, it will be even stronger. Because it's like you say, I mean, what did Clinton say? It's the economy, stupid. Mm -hmm. and, and it's about that. Because at the end of the day, the 2008 elections were lost in a situation where NDC was in tatters. Uh, because the economy was so down, mm. and and so so and and if anybody knows that it's Manangagwa, Manangagwa is a ruthless businessman. That's what he is. Mm. So so he wants to build a situation where South Africa is happy and China is happy, mm. Mm. Uh, and that the opposition uh, on the outside world is minimal, and that's where I. I'm one of those people who don't agree that there was ever sanctions on Zimbabwe because there wasn't. But, but uh, 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 some of the things that have been kept there, there is so little left, they, they can probably remove it. But if the, if the international community again is going to say, okay, okay, now uh, we had a ruthless period uh, where ZANU-PF uh, restored their, their power, and then we've now 
a, a period which is nice. And then you will see exactly the things that you are saying. Mm. Uh, civil society will, will start their activities, they will start uh, working with parliament, they will build up all these things that look nice, and all these things that are better than, than in most other African countries because the education levels in Zimbabwe, even though they've fallen massively in the last few years, they are higher than very many other uh, African countries. So I'm not sure that education is the solution in Zimbabwe because mm. You've, you've had a population which has been very educated, and it's in that position that the violence has erupted. So I, I, I'm not very optimistic, um, I'm afraid. <laughs> um, I think that we'll see uh, uh, status quo, we'll see business uh, as usual, and, I, and uh, that, will, that will include that uh, the donors, uh, the the uh, rest of the international society will come back to a normal situation uh, quite fast after, after the violence is over. Um, and I think part of the problem, having worked with Zimbabwe for so many years, I think part of the problem is that every country that sends ambassadors or diplomats to a country, they do not want somebody to be very attached to that country. So they change all the time, which means that by the time an ambassador or a, a, sec a first secretary in an embassy gets to know the country well enough, they go to the next country. So, so each, they, they start building again. And, and, but even for people following it closely, I think it's, uh, it's difficult with Zimbabwe. Uh, I think in October last year, one of your brotherly students wrote an, uh, who is studying in the UK wrote an article exposing more or less the, the cooperation between the British and Managagua. And now you see Managagua is finished, it's been fired, so the, the UK has invested so much money in a person who is a nobody. A month later, he's the president. Mm. And, and then you sit there, uh, <laughs> and what was that for as an analysis? Mm. And then the analysis all the time has been, the one that I also had is that the opposition is too weak, they won't win an election. Mm. And it's obvious. I mean, when, when, when the election commission needs several days to, to announce an election, and the election result is announced at half past midnight mm. on Friday morning, obvious. The opposition one. It, it's clear Chamisa won those elections. And then to, to, to say, come with Cessna figures. No, I'm sorry, Cessna figures were not as NPF. They knew that they had to be within those Cessna figures uh, in order to, to create a discussion around the legitimacy. But how can you say that it's legitimate when you renounce elections three days after you announced elections for the, for the local councils, which were counted at the same time, and then, and then uh, cook up a story about that each of the 23 candidates had to sign, when actually the alliance didn't even sign. Mm -hmm. So, so uh, no, it's clear, the opposition won, and that's where uh, the donors, mm, they had all kinds of cooperation with the ZANU-PF because they didn't think MDC could do it. Mm -hmm. So, uh, yeah. So I, I see we're running out of time, so I'll let you give your closing remarks, uh, and then um, we'll have to, to round up for now. Um, Luisa. Um, I would like to celebrate all the young people in Zimbabwe who took time to go and register and vote because it was very sad. It was never the case. And um, I would like to thank you all for coming and being in solidarity with us uh, for what is happening in Zimbabwe. Hopefully we'll continue to hear from you and uh, we hope for the best for Zimbabwe. It's a very emotional thing to talk about. Yeah, thank you very much. Thank you. Mm. I would want to say that um, 
elections shouldn't be a fight for survival mm -hmm. for political parties, but actually a competition to serve the mm -hmm. people's will. And mm -hmm. the winner should be the one that is offering better solutions to the country. So I urge whoever is going to form the national government, the, the, the mm -hmm. next government of Zimbabwe, to actually try and create a social contract with the people of Zimbabwe mm, so that um, it's a government uh, for the people, by the people mm -hmm. of Zimbabwe. And also, my last remarks is uh, that uh, we still want uh, the international solidarity <laughs> to be there. <laughs> yeah, because um, we, we cannot be a one man on, on the island. We need uh, other studio unions with us in, in our fight for democracy and to, for economic revival. Mm. Yeah. Thank you. Um, I think we'll round up with that. Um, you said earlier, Innocent, that those with IDs are not in power, and mm. you guys clearly have IDs. I hope to see you <laughs> in power um, yeah. in a few years. Yeah. Um, please give a big round of applause for the... the <laughs>